This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 714 with Vicki Zarkin. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 714. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Vicki Zarkin was diagnosed with cancer in 2011, has been living with stage four metastatic cancer for over 10 years, and is the only person in the world alive with this aggressive illness. She was diagnosed in her 40s when her doctor first told her to go home and get her affairs in order, and at that time she had two small children underfoot. Vicki spent the next several years fighting for her life, advocating for herself, navigating through the healthcare world, and following her gut. Today, Vicki is a beacon of hope for others. She's a motivational speaker and a coach on a national level and a successful author. Vicki inspires women to change the way they have been programmed to think and emphasize the importance of starting with young women on how to believe in themselves, challenge the status quo, find their voices, and listen to their hearts. She's written a book titled, I Am The One. Her story's not limited to just cancer. She speaks about doctor-patient relationships, nutrition, the appreciation of the little things in life, the juggling of motherhood, cancer, and effective ways to work with doctors advocating for listening before diagnosing in the treatment rooms, which will help women follow their instincts regarding their own health care and so much more. Vicki's can-do attitude inspires people to think differently in their everyday lives. By applying her unique thought process, deals can be done in a boardroom just as easily as they can help people through their cancer battle. Listen to hear Vicki share all about her diagnosis of stage four metastatic cancer 12 years ago. What happened when she grabbed her doctor by the neck 
when her doctor suggested she might not survive this diagnosis, what it was like working through stage four cancer treatment with children ages eight and 11, what her life is like now being treated every 28 days with chemo to manage her cancer, the side effects of long-term cancer treatments, what it has been like to mother while also managing cancer for 12 years now, her bargain with God and how that has played out, and how to navigate power differentials in healthcare. Oh my goodness, what a fantastic and special conversation. Vicki was so open and brave and vulnerable and just such a wealth of generous knowledge and storytelling in this conversation. So tune in, listen to the lessons that play out in Vicki's incredible story and see where you can maybe apply some of her lessons to your life as you move through hard things. With all that said, let's go ahead and welcome Vicki Zarkin to the Shameless Mom Academy. Vicki, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm going to start this conversation with our typical first question, and then you get to drive. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Well, you know, in terms of my personal life, family uh, is always first, always the most important. It's what I fought so hard for. And uh, my family's going to be going to the beach all together. My son's coming in from Florida, from college. My daughter's home from college. So that's a really nice thing that I'm looking forward to. As far as professionally, I um, developed a new organization called Lunge for Healthcare. And it's specifically set up to help women and their healthcare and ultimately then to show insurance companies how we're able to save all these preventative dollars for them so that we can then appeal to the insurance companies in Congress to get back all of the health care that we're losing. You know, women are not high on the totem pole when it comes to that. So, you know, I want to get my mammogram back to 35 and 40. It's now like 50 or 55. I mean, they only do pap smears now every other year instead of every year. So there's just so many things that um, we can show the insurance companies that we're saving them all these preventative dollars because we're being proactive about our own care, that they can then take that savings and give us back the health care that we once had. Oh my goodness. I love that. And thank you in advance for all the work you're doing on that front. That is really significant and really important. I donate um, a percentage of all my speaking jobs to lunge for healthcare. You know, I try to make it like an incentive to hire me versus, you know, somebody else because a percentage of their dollars is going to go to this awesome organization to help women and healthcare. So that's so fantastic. I love the work that you're doing in healthcare and I know from what I've learned about you between your team and things I researched online, I'm guessing that this didn't come out of nowhere, but your work around healthcare is probably very much motivated and inspired by your own story. Can you tell us a bit about your own health journey? You were told that you had stage four metastatic, metastatic. Metastatic. Thank you. I'm like, how many T's do I put in there? Um, Metastatic cancer. And You have now lived with this for 10 years, I believe. 12 now. 12. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So tell us this story because you have a really exceptional story. Really crazy. I mean, I was young, had two young children and, you know, I went and got my regular mammogram because I had been getting regular mammograms at that time from, you know, other issues. And 
basically they, you know, kept calling me back to do this and to do that. And then when I got home soon after that, I got a call from my um, internist and he said, Vicki, you definitely have breast cancer. So now mm-hmm. it was a matter of deciding, you know, what kind I had, where, you know, what the extent of it was and so forth. So I went to Johns Hopkins and I did months of testing. I mean, it was really quite grueling. And just to give you an idea, Johns Hopkins is about a two hour drive for me. So, you know, and I have two young children at home. So I was driving up and back every day, getting tested and tested every day. And every day they would send me home and tell me to come back that they had more tests. So it was very grueling. But then finally, I got to the point where they said, okay, we've hooked you up with the best, our finest oncologist, and he's reviewed all your testing and he's ready to give you a treatment plan. So we went into his medical operatory and, you know, he wasn't really giving me any eye contact or anything like that. And the room was very small. And he's saying to me, you know, he's consulted with a lot of other um, fine doctors at Johns Hopkins, and they've all concluded the same. And then he went on to say, I'm sorry, but you need to go home and get your affairs in order. Oh my goodness. I was gobsmacked. I mean, like, you know, I'm thinking it's breast cancer. It's curable. I mean, like, I'm ready to go. Let's hit it. Come on, let's beat this sucker. (laughs) And, you know, when he said that, I mean, the Vicky that had walked in the room, as crazy as this sound, died right then and there. Wow. I have goosebumps. And another Vicky entered my body. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but that is exactly what happened. And the Vicky that showed up flew across the room and grabbed the doctor by the neck. So enraged, grabbed him by the neck. And I said, you tell me about all these doctors that you consulted, but you didn't consult me. What about what I want? What about what I need? And I said to him, I don't care what you cut off me. I don't care what you stick in me. I'm going to be the one. I'm going to make it. I'm a mom. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I have my hands around like some <laughs> I like flew back (laughs) waiting for him to call security and like drag me away. Oh my goodness. And it seemed like the room was really quiet. It seemed like it lasted forever, you know? Yeah. But I'm sure it was like a very short period of time, but still, you know, in a heated time like that. And so he looked up and he looked at me for the first time, like looked at me and he said, okay, how about we try chemo? Now I'm not promising anything but we'll start with chemo and see how you respond. Is that okay with you? He said, and I said, yes. And the thing is, I knew then and there, I didn't know a lot about cancer at this point. I wasn't like most people. I wasn't affected by cancer. Nobody in my family at all had cancer. I knew nothing about it. And so I knew now that basically what I've done is I bought myself some time because I realized right off the bat, I'm in pickle. And he doesn't care about me. He wants me to go home and die. So Mm -hmm. I only have me now to rely on. And I knew at that moment that absolutely nobody was going to raise my children except me. So I hit the ground running and um, started researching and researching and researching. And I was really, I really was in a pickle. I mean, I had cancer in my neck, my esophagus, the left ventricle of my heart, 
the left lung, all through my chest cavity, all wrapped around my left breast. 30 lymph nodes were involved, all my mammary glands. I mean, I was riddled in cancer all up in my mediastinum area, which is the upper chest cavity. Wow. So, you know, he wasn't wrong when he told me to go home and get my affairs in Mm -hmm. order. It's just that I knew I wasn't going to die. I just needed to figure out a way to fix me Mm -hmm. (laughs) somehow. And um, like I said, I was researching. Now I was fighting a battle at this point. And I, what I called, it was like, I went into my tunnel vision. I didn't see right. I didn't see left. I was just fighting. Mm -hmm. And I ended up doing really well in the chemotherapy treatment. So I was able to go ahead and get the radical mastectomy and a radical mastectomy is, you know, quite aggressive. I mean, they like tore up my whole chest wall. And now Johns Hopkins wanted to do photon radiation. Photon radiation is a blast of radiation that comes in the front and goes out through the back and it has lots of scatter. And the bottom line is I would have died of congestive heart failure probably before I would have died of the cancer based on that radiation treatment that they wanted to do for me. And that's what the doctor knew all along and knew that there was no hope for me. Yeah. But I decided that I wanted to do proton radiation and that had never been done before in such a large area. Proton radiation is a pinpoint radiation. It can stop on a dime. It's not, doesn't have scatter. It doesn't go from the front to the back. It can go around organs, the whole bit. Now, the thing with proton radiation is it's normally done for prostate cancer, brain cancer, things like that, that are small areas. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was a humongous area. I mean, it was like my whole chest. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody told me no, 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 no. But I did find a pediatric doctor in Indiana that agreed to treat me. And he was my saving grace. You know, I um, flew to Indiana. I did all the, he did, I think it was 200 hours <gasps> of mapping me before I even arrived. That's how involved this case was. And then I went for all my molds and um, like the stuff that you see in Hollywood that they do for like horror movies. I had all kinds of molds like that of my face and my chest and so forth. And bear in mind, this is only like two weeks after that I flew out there after my mastectomy. So I was in bad shape. Bad shape. I mean, I looked like, like, I mean, like a mat truck. (laughs) And then we had to look for an apartment and a place for us all to live when we came back two weeks later. So So it was, did you move out there then? Oh yeah. Cause I was there for like four months. Okay. Okay. That's what I was. So I had to, and, and the radiation was, was grueling because they, it was very like, super nat, you know, kind of, you know, like a Star Trekky type of a yeah. thing. Cause I was put on a very, very narrow table and then I was lifted up like high, like planetarium high, you know, oh way, way, way up. It kind of looked like a planetarium. And I was on this little table strapped in, but like you could so easily fall off of it. So all the children that were there for brain cancer, 
Yeah. All had to be put out for this radiation procedure. So it was a really big deal. And you have to have a CT scan every single day. And it was it was quite grueling. But, you know, my family and I, we had we were together and I, we have very fond memories of that time, believe it or not. How um, old were your children at the time? My children were, see, my daughter was about eight and my son was around 11. Okay. So they were pretty young, but we all had a really good time. We enrolled them in the YMCA camp. And, and now, you know, today, my daughter, believe it or not, is at the University of Indiana at the Kelly School of Business. So wow. it's, it's all full circle. Oh I, my goodness. I couldn't believe it when she decided to go there. I'm like, oh, it's a lucky place. <laughs> I said, there's good vibes there. I, yeah. said, that, I said, that's good. They're going to take good care of you for four years. Like I felt, you know, because she was my youngest going into college and I felt, ah, okay, she's in a good place. I mean, yeah. this is coming yeah. back full circle. So here I am, you know, 12 years later, but, you know, bear in mind, I'm in pain every day. I'm living with cancer. I'm not cured. Yeah, that's, so that's what I, I was going to ask. Chemo. I get chemo every 28 days. I go back and forth to Johns Hopkins and the chemo is, you know, done its toll as it's built and built and built within my system. So I have osteoporosis. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I have sarcoidosis of the lung. Um, you know, I can go on and on and on with my joint ailments and things like that. But, you know, I get up every day and I liken it to, you know, I running up the hill. That's my life. You know, I'm in pain, I'm fighting with doctors, I'm fighting with insurance companies or something, one or the other. It's like running up a hill every day. And then I go to sleep at night and then I get up and then I get, I start running back up that hill again. So it's just, you know, a vicious cycle. But if I laid around and complained all the time, I would, what would have been the point of me fighting so hard to survive? Yeah. So pain or not, now that my kids are in college, you know, I vowed to help as many women as I can. I do not want to stand alone. You know, I'm the only one living with my aggressive form of cancer. And that is unheard of, crazy and not necessary because um, we can help other women. Yeah. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. 
I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Tell me... When most women get this diagnosis, why are they not being offered this kind of treatment now? If very it works expensive, for you? very expensive. And no doctors, as far as I know, are offering it to anybody. And bear in mind, the um, oncologist that I have at Johns Hopkins has written a many, many medical papers about me. Mm. So as far as I should... I mean, I don't know a lot about this, but I would think that, you know, doctors are reading medical journals, especially other oncologists are reading Mm -hmm. about breakthroughs in oncology and they should know what was done for me. So to know what's not been done and they don't offer it or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just expensive and they don't want to do such a large area. It's so time consuming. Mm -hmm. But it saved my life. Yeah, yeah. So since so then, you've been in chemo ever since then. I have. I, wow. I go next week. Yeah, I have every 28 days I go for chemo. It's very what tough. Is it? it sounds so hard. And also yeah. your attitude and just your energy in talking about it is so positive and optimistic. Do you have hard days where like you talked about running up? I have hard days. Are there days where you're not doing the hill today? (laughs) I mean, you know, I definitely have hard days. I mean, I've had 23 surgeries, Mm. you know, and I've got more to come, but if I can get up physically, I will Mm. because it just hurts the same when you're laying down. So you might as well be productive. You know, (laughs) you have to compartmentalize. I mean, it's not easy. Believe me, it's not easy, but that's what I do. I compartmentalize the pain. What has it been like mothering for 12 years while having to take care of yourself in such an exceptional way? At first there was a lot of guilt, you know, because I know that my children were in a, a certain trajectory. And when their mother gets sick, like I did, you know, it's the road less traveled, you know, their trajectory abruptly changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, this kind of disease affects everybody. And, you know, I knew that with my illness, I changed the course of my kids' lives. And I was determined to treat them as normally as possible. So I do teach a cancer course on Zoom 
called There's More to Cancer Than the Diagnosis. And this is one of the things that I teach in the course. You know, there's no courses out there like this. I don't understand why. You know, the practical courses of people's experiences and things like that, that if if you have cancer or you've been diagnosed with cancer, the information that I have is invaluable. I mean, invaluable. I mean, I don't understand why there hasn't been more courses out there like that. But to finish what I was saying, so I you know, had to sit my young children down and tell them, you know, that I had cancer and all they know about cancer is death. Mm -hmm. You know, at that young age, it was death. They knew that friends of, you know, parents of their friends had died and it's true. Yeah. And I said, look, we're going to make a deal. You have a job and I have a job. Your job is to go to school, do your homework and to have as much fun as you possibly can. I love that. And my job is getting better. That's not your job. So I will take care of my job. You take care of yours and we'll all stay in our own lane. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't want to make me, them feel responsible for me. But, you know, and then, you know, I treated them normally. I disciplined them. But, you know, there's still that guilt that you've changed their lives. So you do do a little extra, you know, you can't help it. But I'm proud to say that they're great human beings. They're great kids, smart, doing well in society, well-adjusted. I mean, I sent them for so many counseling and the counselors are like, they're fine. They don't need counseling, you know? (laughs) So, you know, you're just so worried all the time what's going on in their little heads, you know, but I'm proud of of my accomplishments as a mother. It's probably one of the things that I am very the most proud of. I bet. Most proud. How validating to have the sense that you have a diagnosis which has created something for your family that you can't change, you can't take away, that's going to be this, you know, a constant journey in directions you can never predict and for you to recognize like this is going to have a grave impact on our children and to go to therapists and then be like, no, they're fine. <laughs> you yeah, done a great I job. <laughs> I know. But you know, you just want to make sure. Yeah, because, absolutely. You know, I mean, like I'm going to their soccer games and I'm like passing out on the field and ambulances mm-hmm. are coming. Oh gosh. I mean, you know, because I'm trying to do so much and be yep. present so much that is backfiring on me quite a bit. So, you know, their lives were a little exciting, you know, for young kids. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate well, that fun. And there was laughter in our house at all times. I was just going to say, I appreciate that you can laugh about like, you know, when you talk about passing out at a soccer game and having to call an yeah. ambulance and you're in the uh, middle of fighting cancer, like that yeah. can be such, that is such a heavy thing. And the it's fact so that you can bring heavy. levity. Oh, and, and it's they- embarrassing. All their kids, all their friends are there. And like their mom is like, you know, and the ambulance yeah. is driving in the middle of the field. Oh my gosh. You know, they had to stop the game. <laughs> Sorry, you know, kids. It's, a mess. it's a mess. But, you know, I knew like we, when COVID hit, my daughter was entering her senior year of high school mm-hmm. and it was just a perfect time for me to write my book so that I could share that with everybody. And I felt like if I wrote a book, it would give me a bigger platform to shout louder and to help more people. Yeah. So I took that opportunity. The crazy thing was when I started writing the book, 
I didn't realize I had no recollection of what I had done. So a lot of the things that I talked about today in this interview, I had no memory of until I started writing my book here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So tell us about the book and then tell us about remembering your memories. Yeah. I mean, it was so crazy. So, you know, it was very cathartic writing the book. I bet. You know, and lots so the, of the book is called I Am The One. I am the one, I am the one, how a lunge across the room launched a woman's fight against cancer. Love it. And I'm very proud of the book. It's gorgeous. Um, thank you so much. But this is an authentic day in the life. I mean, you want to know what cancer's like? You read my book. But what you won't get is a lot of big, boring terms and <laughs> a lot of boring information. This is real me. It's mm -hmm. real life. And, you know, when you talk about my sarcasm and so forth, I mean, from the minute that I started when I lunged across the room and grabbed the doctor by the neck, I have had, I mean, the time of it. I mean, like in the middle of my mastectomy, we ran out of the hospital in the middle of the night in my hospital gown, my mom and my husband pushing my wheelchair because of issues that we had and um, lack of care that we were getting. And wow. I mean, there's stories of me and my mom, you know, we just, when we get jumpy and things like that, we just get sarcastic and laugh. And, you know, I had stories of, you know, making fun of the nurses that were taking all my blood. And so I think that the book is, even if you don't have cancer, it's just a fun read. I love it that this isn't how you would expect a book about someone's experience exactly, with cancer to be right? That's when you're I'm like, it's just you. a fun read, but not. It how is. I <laughs> yeah, I know. But Hey, you know, the ending, I don't die at the end. Right. right so right. how bad could it be? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I oh mean, my goodness. There, look, there's a lot of hard times that I went yeah. through in this book and I'm very, you know, I'm very authentic. Yeah. Um, people that know me know that I am. And I certainly wasn't going to let anybody down by being less than authentic. Mm -hmm. Everything in that book, every crazy story I lived, I did. And, you know, I really know a lot about cancer now today. So that's why I want to help as many people as I can by having my course, having my book, speaking as much as I possibly can, you know, giving a percentage of my speaking to to lunge for healthcare.org. Um, and then I also have my own website, I am the one.com. Um, you can buy my book on my, on your, my website. Um, you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, really any bookstore. So, and I have a exercise tape on my <laughs> a crazy, I call it Vicky's crazy exercise, which is really healing, really crazy, but really healing. And I teach you how to make your own make it your own, you know, yeah. so it doesn't have to be my way. It can be your way. Yeah. Um, so I kind of give you a map for that. So that can be purchased on my website. I am the one.com as well. So love it. Um, we'll link everything up in the show notes so people can find all that. Hey, you know, I just want Tell people us. to help as many as I can. I, I love your mission so much. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the shameless mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the shameless mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. 
Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Can you tell us about your promise to God? Oh, well, yes. I mean, I made a promise to God. And part of me didn't even fully remember or understand. I vaguely knew about it, but when I was writing the book, it all came back to me. Mm. And so I made a promise that if I could raise my children, I would help as many women as I could. And so as I was writing the book, I realized that time is now because my daughter started college. She just finished her first year of college. So for the past year, now, granted, it's been COVID, but I'll speak on Zoom. You know, I, I love to speak in person because I love, you know, the eye contact and all of that. But I can speak on Zoom. I will speak to as many people or as little as I can. I mean, nothing, you know, I just want to get the word out. So mm-hmm. um, I just want to help people. So with that promise to God, then was born lungeforhealthcare.org. So that was a way that I knew because I said, okay, well, I have to harness all my passion because like, you know, I was like all over the place. I mean, there's so many ways I could have helped women, but if I watered it down, because I was like everywhere, oh, I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. You know, if you know me, Mm -hmm. that's me. (laughs) And I realized I wasn't going to help. That way, I needed to really narrow down how I was going to truly help people so that I can organize it in a fashion. So what I decided was two things. One, teach women to advocate for themselves and help women tap into their own healthcare instincts. Number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, have doctors listen first, diagnose second. Those two things are very simple. Yeah. If we start doing those two things around the world, I mean, globally, the insurance companies could save billions. 
I mean, with those two simple things, because so much preventative medicine can be helped. I mean, there'll be less cutting, less Mm -hmm. pill popping. You'll be getting at things much earlier because we're listening to each other and we're tapping into our own instincts of what's going on with our bodies. And let me tell you, if I hadn't done that, I'd be dead today. Now, that's not to say that I'm not also here for a lot of brilliant doctors. I would never say I got here because of me only. Mm -hmm. It was a group effort. But the bottom line is, if we want to make it a group effort, we have to harness women in healthcare. You know, they've really let women down. We're really second class citizens when it comes to our healthcare. Yes, yeah, so you mean, gave yeah. some examples of that at the beginning. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think this is important and recognize. I mean, like we know that we're treated like second class citizens in the workplace yes. and across organizations and like all these other places. And so people like people don't realize we are in our healthcare, healthcare too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, men get better health care than we do. I mean, for example, I talked to you about the proton radiation that I had to fight to get. Mm-hmm. Okay. Proton radiation, I had mentioned, is done for prostate cancer and brain cancer. That's because it makes the most money at that because Mm. there's small areas and they don't have to work as hard and it's, you know, a pinpoint radiation, but you know, that's basically saying that men's members Mm -hmm. are more important than female parts. Yeah. That's not cool. So we have to change that dynamic and we can start with getting back the procedures that we once had that I had mentioned earlier. And that's the mammograms back to age 35, 40 that I said, I don't know if people realize it. We used to get pap smears every year. Now they're telling you, Oh, every other year. I'm yeah. No, you I asked my it. doctor about that a while ago. I was like, wait, why, why less? No, and now I'm, like, I'm fine getting it every year. <laughs> yeah. And they'll like back it and they'll say, Oh, it's okay. Well, you know what? This is when we have to follow our gut. And, you know, it's really only about a hundred bucks for a pap smear. So, you know what? Until we can get it back in, I suggest we all pay for it ourselves Yeah, because we cannot let them dictate our lifespan. Mm -hmm. You realize an ovarian test also only costs about a hundred bucks. And they never recommend it. And if a woman, like I have a friend that went to her doctor and she said, you know, I'm having these symptoms. I think that, you know, I should just get a, you know, it's like a simple blood test for the ovarian cancer, Mm. you know, but so many women are dying from that. But if you catch it early, it's so much cheaper. Right. I can just say that first, because that's what everyone wants to hear. Right. Right. And then, you know, oh, and then the side benefit is people don't die. Right. Well, right. Okay. Well, I like that. Right. So, you know, this woman said to her, insisted her doctor, you know what? I'll pay for it. It's a hundred bucks. Give me the test. And she had ovarian cancer Mm. and this woman saved her life. And what a great example. And I will say my doctor's really good about, she'll say like, this is what's being recommended right now. And then I'll ask her like, why is that being recommended? And she'll often say, because it's not being covered by insurance. And so then people often opt to not have things that aren't covered by insurance. And then I'll ask her how much is it out of pocket? And so I have done some extra things. Which is fabulous, but you're not, you're, I want to also recognize that like my doctor's exceptional, I think. (laughs) And also 
that what a position of privilege I'm in to be able to say, oh, that's only an extra hundred bucks. Sure. I'll go ahead and do it because there's many, 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 many women who don't have access to just like, sure, it's a hundred bucks. I'll do it. And so when, when we're talking about the healthcare system overall and how it's underserving women, it might, it's one thing for someone who has that expendable $100 and the knowledge that they have that as an option. It's very different if you don't have the knowledge or the extra money, but you know, you can go to Planned Parenthood, get these things covered and so forth. Your doctor should have all that information. That's a great tip. And thank you for saying that, you know, and you can get it covered through donations and things like that. So I pray that regardless of your circumstance that you fight for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, look, we're privileged white women. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we have it easy compared to women of color and women of lesser means and so forth. And, you know, I've written a lot of articles about that, about, you know, too, it's how you're raised, Mm -hmm. you know, now my mother, you know, was raised very primly. So in fact, I actually educated my mom that you don't have to be begging and asking for questions why your legs are in stirrups. Mm. Go into the office with your clothes on and ask your questions like a human being and then go and get exam. Mm -hmm. This was like, like it blew her mind, blew her mind. So, you know, I was raised, even though I am of privilege, I was raised you know, doctors know everything. Mm-hmm. Like up and, on a pedestal. And don't question them. And da, yeah. da, 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 da. so, you know, it's not necessarily only economic background. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, how your mother raised you and, and mm-hmm. her mother and how we navigate traditions ca- get carried by. And if you don't have a loud enough voice, you're just going to meekly follow and then pass that on to your daughter. So what I'm here to to ask today, let's change the course for our daughters. Yes. And I think that's really navigating. Because we can't make so much better for us, but we can work really hard to help the young women that are coming up beneath us. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I think a lot of that, and you've given so many great examples as you've shared is really learning how to navigate the power differential in healthcare. So I think what you've given some really great examples of, and what I really want to be a big takeaway is how to navigate the power differential in healthcare. And so you, like you just said, if you're raised to believe that a doctor has all the answers or knows better than you, then you're not going to question anything. You're not going to say, I'd like to put my clothes back on before we have a conversation about that. Those right. kind of things. And so I think this is a really important conversation that sometimes we don't even think about the, we let ourselves be dismissed and we don't, cause we don't even recognize how subconscious these power differentials are exactly. and then how that can really leave us at a disadvantage. So I'm, this is, I think so valuable for all of us, for all women yeah. to recognize that just because there is a power differential doesn't mean that you sit meekly and accept that and don't right. speak up because I mean, you're everything you've said around your own story is just such a perfect example of what happens when you decide to step out of the power differential and to, or in your case, lunge across the room (laughs) to (laughs) override the power differential. Uh Um, And what the bottom line is, the bottom line is that you're still here today. I am the grace of God and help from (laughs) doctors and my own inner fighting. 
I am here today. And the crazy thing is I'm alone. So I fight for other women have the right to tuck their children in bed at night as I had that right. Mm -hmm. So I fight for those women to stand shoulder to shoulder with me and let's get them the medicines that they need and keep these women from dying. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Vicki, this has been a really powerful conversation. Thank you for all the ways that you've shared your story. There's so much for us to walk away with so many important takeaways. I also so appreciate that you've brought some levity and humor to this conversation that I think no one would assume would be light or humorous. Yeah. Can you tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom? Uh, I'm just a crazy person. You know, I believe in the belly laugh. I believe in saying yes as many times as I possibly can. That's been my motto. And I say I'm the luckiest girl around. I just happen to have cancer. It's how I live my life. And I raise my children the same. And, you know, yeah, I'm messy. I'm crazy. My kids know I'm crazy, but we have a lot of fun along the way. I love it. And, you know, it's important. That belly laugh is important. Everybody needs to get back to their inner belly laugh. And Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about when I mean the belly laugh, the laugh where you're truly letting go. Yeah. Yeah. We need to do some more of that. Absolutely. You shared your, so the book is, I am the one people can get the book at I am the one.com. And then is everything over at I am the one.com. Where's your cancer course. Is that at the same? Uh, My cancer course you can sign up for, um, would be, uh, I might be at Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. It's, you know, I am the one um, Vicky is usually okay. how you'll find me on all my uh, social media. Okay. And then okay. yes, on I am the one.com, you can sign up for my course. Okay. And I really hope that you will. It's a fabulous course and I'm going to be teaching it as a beta course mm-hmm. next month. So mm-hmm. it'll be half price for the first okay. time. So, you know, people might want to get in touch with me so that they can take advantage of that. Now, however, I am limiting the class to 10 to 12 people so that we can be authentic within the group and everybody can open up with each other. And my idea of my course is that you meet other people in the group that can act as people to lean on as they go through their journey. So if I get 50 people that sign up, I'll just teach multiple courses. And this will go live. I feel like you can't sign up if there's a number of people already there. I'll just run consecutive courses just to be clear. Great. And this will go live after that beta course has already begun, I believe, because we won't go, this episode won't be released for a little bit until a little bit after that first beta launch, but people can follow you because we talked about releasing um, a little bit later than that. So yeah. What people can do though, is they can go to, I am the one.com. They and can learn the everything there. They can yeah. follow you on social. And then they from there, they'll be able to hire me to speak from they'll there. See, yeah. Yeah, they'll yeah, see you when can, your next courses are coming up. I do book signings, the whole mm-hmm. bit you can, you know, and my email is, I am the one dot Vicky, which is V I K I okay. at gmail.com. So, you know, and that email address is on my website as well. So okay. people should be able to get in touch with me. Great. So I'll have everything linked up. If people go to okay. shamelessmom.com, click on the episode okay. with Vicki Zarkin, V-I-K-I, we, then they can click through right to all of those resources. Oh my goodness. Yes. Vicki, thank you for being here. Thank you for thank having you for this, me. Thank you oh, everybody a, for listening. I'm a so great grateful. conversation. 
And I'm so appreciative to have been given this outlet today. So thank you very much. Thank you, Vicki. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.